0: What's up, everything? Imagine this the Vegas and Washington Stanley Cup finals has been every bit as exciting, unpredictable, and downright radioactive as the playoffs leading up to it. With the series tied at one and headed back to the capital city, the Caps are on top of the world. But will Washington thunder forward to victory, or will their demons rear their heads and make us all Vegas believers? One thing is for certain the NHL will do whatever it takes to make themselves seem relevant, and this series is a big winner for them in that regard. Plus, it gives us a ton to talk about, so let's get started and let's go seven games. Everyone, this is the Two Guys No Cup podcast, and we are coming to you straight from Kiev, which is in Hungary. No, that's not right. We should know where is it? It's in the place where the Champions League final was. Ukraine. Ukraine. Why do I keep saying Hungary? I heard Ukraine a lot, but Kiev is the capital city of Hungary, and it was also—is it? No, Ukraine. (laughs) My brain is broken, people. That intro took a while to record. Uh, Kiev is the capital city of the Ukraine. And it is also where Liverpool faced an unfortunate defeat this past Saturday at the hands of mostly Sergio Ramos and his dirty tactics, but somewhat the other very good, well, also their own goaltender, mm-hmm. and then somewhat the incredible, absurd, unbelievable goal that uh, yeah, Christian Bale scored. No, not Christian Bale, Gareth Bale. Good God. Okay, so, <laughs> so, folks, thanks for sticking with us for 40, however many of us. Episodes. We'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, now let's talk about a subject that I do understand, I think, which is Indeed. hockey. Except... The Vegas Golden Knights and the Washington Capitals are in the NHL Stanley Cup Final, so no one really understands it. Uh, but I say we just dive right in. Actually, you say we just dive right into mm-hmm. these playoffs because they're live and they're what's happening, and they're what folks want to hear about. So let's talk about how none of this makes any sense and it's all spectacular. Mm-hmm.
1: What That's you- <laughs> my take. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, they've been, they've been really fun. They've been an exciting series because it's different teams Mm -hmm. than normal. One of them very different. Well, both of them very different if we're being honest. Um, it's also two teams that seem to kind of hate each other already after just one game. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the Penguins and the Sharks like hating each other or even Nashville and the Penguins really... And those are the most current two uh, cup finals I can think of. Yeah. But yeah, these, they've, I mean, you've got Brayden McNabb throwing down with Evgeny Kuznetsov. You've got Tom Wilson and Ryan Reeves, who haven't really done anything to each other, but it's a Uh storyline. Which you don't normally get in finals series. You don't get, like, storylines of who's going to fight who. That, like, never happens. You're just Mm. trying to see who's going to out tactic the other team but no somehow it's is Reeves ever gonna punch Tom Wilson in the face and he did for sure he did in a weird sort of you know not fighting sort of mm. way a kind of dirty way this whole series has felt kind of dirty and I it's love
0: surprisingly it surprisingly considering the teams involved yeah. yeah and I think I mean you look at some of the plays Ryan Reeves had that cross track before one of the goals in game one uh that helped them Win ultimately. Oh, a direct
1: his cross check directly helped him score his goal. Yeah,
0: a hundred percent. And uh, T.J. Oshie, unsurprisingly, got the red mist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think David Perron got the red mist at a different point. Uh, former boys just, just representing themselves extraordinarily <laughs> well in this series. Tom Wilson's already had a suspicious hit for which he probably should have been suspended, mm-hmm. but won't be because it's the Stanley Cup Finals. It's just it's it's a weird series in so many respects but it is weirdly like already antagonistic considering these two teams have played twice ever Mm -hmm. and they have no geographical or conference or historical reason to have a rivalry except for the George McPhee stuff and like Flurry, but like, does the McPhee stuff really bother these players? I don't no. know. I mean, some of them maybe negotiated a contract with him once, yeah. but it was a while ago. Uh, but yeah, I mean, let's talk a little bit more about the physicality of it, um, and the, just the general silliness of, uh, uh silly maybe, not the right <laughs> word, but the Tom Wilson hit, yeah. uh, which was on, was it on Burkowski? Uh, which, which, the hit? one, which the, the, the <laughs> first one, the one in game one. Oh, uh, that was against Marcheseau. Marcheseau. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess it would not have been on Burkowski cause he's a capital guy. <laughs> he could have Get home. your brain together. Steve. Um, that was a late hit. It, it was. was,
1: it was a late hit, but it's also, I have a hard time sometimes with these cause it feels like, well, that's the playoffs. I mean, not a late hit, mm-hmm. but you're going to get roughed up. Some people said March so need to keep his head up because he was admiring his past, but also some people argued, well, in this day and age, you should be allowed to admire your past because, I don't know, a one-second count, and you shouldn't be hit after that. And there's definitely, like, a second and a half before Wilson comes in contact with him.
0: Yeah, I've never liked that logic of their response. I mean, they are responsible to protect themselves, but that doesn't make a dirty hit not a dirty hit. Mm. If it... If it If it, you know, if there's an injury from like a queen hit or, you know, or just they get really roughed up by a queen hit, you can say, oh, well, you got to keep your head up, whatever, you know. But if it's a dirty hit, it's a dirty hit, regardless of whether they could have protected themselves better. And I think, I mean, is more attention drawn to that because it's Tom Wilson, of course. Yeah. Uh, But man, I mean, it. It did seem strange, and then they had that. Then I think that's when Perron got the red mist. One of the yeah, times they came over and tried to he he like punched Ovechkin or something, yeah, right? he, he
1: cross checked Ovechkin or something, and he was the sixth man on. So like play had died
0: down, mm-hmm. and I think that a, should be an instigator. Yeah, regardless, major, right? Shouldn't yeah. he, I mean shouldn't he be? Isn't there a rule that you're, like, ejected for that, If you jump on the bench, or jump
1: off the bench? Yeah. yeah. So I think the deal was, someone was going for a change, mm-hmm. he jumped on, and then the changes never really happened. The other guy, you know, skated over to see what the fight, or whatever mm-hmm. was about, and Fran didn't go... And I'd, to his defense, I guess I wouldn't either, but he didn't go, oh, I see that McNabb's or whoever's skating over, mm. I'll go back on the bench. He's already on the ice for the change yeah. and play stopped, so he just went over to defend his teammates. But, yeah, that's it's a
0: little iffy. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I, while I'm not really of the opinion that they should have, like, this relaxed rule set in the playoffs, I don't know about ejecting a guy for a technicality mm-hmm. in that situation, you know, but... Um, Yeah, I mean, to go over and pick a fight with Ovechkin is a little criminal. That's kind of Perron's M.O.
1: You remember when he was here, at least in the playoffs, he really seems to try and get in guys faces a lot and he's never really aggressive about it like angry about it he's just kind of annoying yeah he's a
0: little bit of a martian i mean in the sense i mean he's a sane person so he's (laughs) not (laughs) martian in that sense but like he's an agitator for sure and it can be and i mean i think that's the thing blues fans tend to to forget is that can have incredible value it can also really ruin your team and sometimes it did that to us and it Mm -hmm. cost us a lot but if you're in their heads all the time. That's great. You know, that's what Steve Ott did a lot towards the end of his career. And it's good to have that role on your team. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I mean the big storyline about when Will Reeves and Tom Wilson finally throw down. I got to be honest with you, I don't think Tom Wilson wants that cuz no. I th- don't think
1: Tom Wilson survives They've that. They've fought before,
0: right? He, I think when yeah. Reeves
1: was with the Blues, he'd fought Wilson before. And I
0: think Wilson had I don't I'm, I don't watch enough caps, so you know, listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Wilson has this reputation as a tough guy. And he's a tougher guy than like a Marchand, who's just an agitator. But I don't know that he's really a heavyweight.
1: You're not a fighter. Fighter.
0: He just is dirty, you know. <laughs> so I don't well, know. What
1: I mean, I bet he can be. He's probably a better fighter than someone that also plays this kind of role on another team. Mm-hmm. You know, like a an Andrew Shaw or
0: somebody. Like if he's gonna grab like a Braden Shin or yeah, hitter, like he'll you know? be a better fighter than that. Because he happens to get a lot of first and second line minutes. Well, that's the other
1: thing too. Is like no offense to Ryan Reeves, who's a, a pretty good fourth liner in terms of skill, but Wilson's definitely. I mean, Wilson plays with. Ovechkin, does he not? Mm-hmm. On the top line. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be as skilled, but you have to have some amount of skill. You More have than a to your have regular. The speed for sure, yeah.
0: which is a big part of it, I would think.
1: So I think it's a matchup where I think, um, who's their coach? Trotz would like to see Reeves. It's never not gonna amuse me. <laughs> you, got, you got the trots. Uh Barry Trotz probably wants to see Ryan Reeves skating after Tom Wilson. Yeah. But never getting in the fight. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, while we're on the subject of Ryan Reeves, let's address this because I've seen it in Blues Twitter sphere this week a lot. And and I understand that we haven't had a lot going on, and so we're prone to make wild Flowy statements that have no basis in truth. But let's stop pretending that 2018 goes differently for the blues. If we have Ryan Reeves, because I've seen some tweets, they don't say this, but the implication is sort of the blues would be where the Vegas Golden Knights are right now if they just hadn't let Ryan Reeves go. Mm. And that's silly because, first of all, we didn't trade him to the Vegas Knights. Second of all, he was an afterthought roster queer up. For the Penguins when they traded him to Vegas, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, and this is no disrespect to Ryan Reeves. We both love him. We would both love to see him back next year. I think if it's, if it's possible and Mm -hmm. if it's reasonable, but just because he scored a couple of critical goals, one of them after a blatant illegal cross check, (laughs) we should keep in mind. It doesn't suddenly make him Bobby Orr, you know, or, or whatever player you want to make that comparison to. Do you agree, do you agree with that, or am I off my rock? <laughs>
1: no, I agree. I saw a tweet that someone was chanting to themselves, we got Clem and we got Clem Coston as a way to reassure themselves of the Ryan Reeves trade. And then someone yeah. tweeted back to them, in sort of the same manner, chanting themselves, well, Clem Coston hasn't paid played a NHL game yet. So like as if, you know, that wasn't a good trade. And I don't know. You because trade right?
0: that's Ryan, how prospects work. Yeah.
1: You trade Ryan Reeves for a first round pick, a late first round pick, but please, that's like I Yeah the I guy mean, could be a bust and I would say that the trade was worth it just for the risk, just for the fun risk involved. Does that make sense? You uh, know what I mean? Like, I'd rather they not be, but if they are nothing, if Clem Costin is just nothing to the Blues, I'm like, I'm not, you know, shaking my fist at God or Doug Armstrong for that trade. That's a risk you take, and that's a good one.
0: And also, I mean, I think the other thing you have to keep in mind, for one thing... This is a statement that I recognize will be mocked and should be in some ways. But we also got Oscar Sundquist in the deal. I'll
1: mock and you. <laughs>
0: while while he didn't pan out for this team and may never play for us again, may leave after this year. He, I mean, he was a sort of a throw-in, but they expected him to be like a fourth line contributor. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, Quim Costin was not just any first-round, late first-round pick last year. He was a guy who was discussed as a potential top-five, top-ten sort of pick before he had, as we all know, like a really bad, I think, shoulder injury Mm -hmm. and missed most of last season. So the gamble wasn't just, oh, there are a couple of guys we like at the end of the first round, we'll pick a name out of a hat. It was more, hey... I you know I'm, I haven't heard this from the mouth of Bill or Doug Armstrong themselves, but my guess would be there'd been discussions about Reeves, taught, sort of seeing how that round would play out, and I think it probably got to the point where they were like, "Hey, we can't believe this guy's still on the board." Of course, yeah. Um, which is what they thought about Robert Thomas when he got to them. Uh, I read in that Bill Armstrong interview with. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford or the mailbag on the athletic, but no, but yeah, they, they feel like, Hey, we can't believe this guy's still here. We have a piece that the team that's picking next is interested in. Let's get it done. I mean, it obviously didn't develop in two minutes like that, but I just, I, I don't think it's a very reasonable, I wouldn't even like, it's possible that Ryan Reeves is enough of a difference maker to get us the one point that puts us in the playoffs. I don't know if that's true, but it's possible Mm -hmm. he makes a play, you know, over the course of a whole season that a Chris Thorburn doesn't make, you know, or scores Mm -hmm. a goal that a Chris Thorburn doesn't score or whatever, and we get one more point. But we still would have gotten reefed by Nashville. He doesn't change that series. Let's not pretend. And either we have Clem Kostin in a year or two making his way to try to be a top NHL player. Excuse me, or we have a really valuable trade chip, And either way, I think we still have more value than Ryan Reeves has in what we've got. And now Ryan Reeves is a free agent who, if we really need, we can just get back. Yeah. Um. But that was kind of a tangent from a playoff series that doesn't deserve to be tangented from so vegas took game one in sort of an insane shootout i mean i think it was one nothing vegas then two one capitals then was it three two vegas or two two and then yeah it went three four because then i think they scored the last the last three goals Yeah. yeah uh but and i think was the fourth one the one where you scored or the third uh, one. I
1: think the fourth one was the one that Reeves scored because the fifth one was an awesome play from I forget who the passer was maybe it was Derek no it wasn't Derek England someone passed across the goal mouth I think to it was like
0: either England or McNabb
1: yeah to sick for like a empty net tap in essentially on the back door mm-hmm. which by the way I'm ripping the blue some more I swear we never we never try for I love watching Vegas play because I think um, plays like that those fast tic tac toe plays they sort of force the other team to play that way if the other team's smart because that seems to be the only way you beat Vegas is to try and play their game play like an up-tempo game and I don't think they've found a team yet that's been able to match them in that even the Winnipeg Jets and I feel like they've found a counterpart in the um, Washington Capitals that can actually do that because for every tic-tac-toe play I see of Vegas I see the Capitals try the same thing and it's just amazing to watch them go back and forth but anyways yes that fifth goal Tic-tac-toe to Nosik on the uh, backdoor feed. It was a really nice play because it was one of those just super fast slap-ins. And you're like, holy cow, I had no idea they could even get it past two defensemen and almost through the blue paint where you'd mm. think Holtby would just put his stick out or something. But
0: No, yeah. he'd save that for later. <laughs> That's uh, true. The sixth goal was just an empty netter. I could have sworn watching it live that someone on the nights just... 100% interfered with a capital. He was trying to get back and contain the puck, but I never saw replays of it, so I may be wrong, but they just tapped in an empty netter. There wasn't much time left. And, of course, in the game one, Lars Eller, as we discussed last week, the lauded former Blue, <laughs> uh, missed a wide-open, similar sort of back oh, end yeah. feed, uh, in feed. Uh, in this From, was it Backstrom who gave that to him? I don't remember who maybe. it was. Maybe. In
1: this game... In this in game one there was a pass from somebody to Wilson, maybe it was backstrom to Wilson even. Mm. And I think it was McNabb just at the very last second got his stick on Wilson's stick and it managed to like he managed to hit the uh, puck with like the ankle of his stick or whatever and just miss it. But it was like a for sure goal yeah. if McNabb didn't put his stick on there. So there's been a
0: couple And then our near that misses one in the last yeah. twenty or thirty seconds that I don't r I think he just missed the net. But yep there i mean there was traffic i'm sure but he should have had it and they didn't and so the capitals couldn't capitalize sorry it was just (laughs) the word in my head on uh a game that i i wouldn't say they dominated but i think they probably should have won over the course of the 60 minutes just through the rate of play i know uh um, Elliot Friedman on the 31 Thoughts podcast talked about that one being the one that got away. Uh, but then they took it to Vegas in Game 3, Game 2, and went up 3 to one and then held off Vegas for most of two periods. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vegas scored two, a second goal but never a third Um and I think the biggest story from this game that we haven't already touched on is the Braden Holpe save, which we alluded to with about two minutes left, where similar sort of back end feed. There's just, I mean, a 90% wide open net. Uh, was it Tuck? Tuck? I think it was yeah. Tuck who took the shot. And um, yeah, Holpe, Holpe just, I mean, and I think Jake Allen's made similar saves before. All you can do is get as much of your stick and whatever else over there as you can possibly get. And I don't know how much of it, to be fair, honest, was a brilliant save versus how much of it was not a great pass or not a great shot that he elevated because I think it was blocked by the stick along the ice. But regardless, Holtby lunged and made a save that was, you know, will be on the... Highlight reel of the whole series, especially if they win it uh, and protected the one goal win for Washington. So now that this is headed back to DC, do you still feel right about your Vegas winning prediction?
1: We from- both we both predicted six games, right mm-hmm. for Vegas. I I think
0: it's going seven now for sure. I don't not mm-hmm. for sure, but I I'll jump in okay. and say that with what I saw in the first two games. I think Vegas, or I think Washington's going to win this now. Now, my prediction was still Vegas, so I'm Mm -hmm. not just trying to backtrack. But I think Washington may just have the stuff, the right mixture of stuff to stop Vegas. And they've already taken a game in Vegas, which only the Sharks did at all. Um, And that was in a series where. That they have they didn't have home ice, but it was kind of a late, meaningless game. I think mm-hmm. that they won, or maybe it was game two, maybe it was somewhere. but I don't know. I just think I think for one thing, Vegas is you know as good as they've been, a lot of their story has been kind of the momentum of the magical ride that they're on. And Washington's flying higher than the clouds too, because they finally got past Pittsburgh, and then they came from behind on. You know, on tampa after going out by two games so i mean they have a lot of momentum themselves obviously you do to reach the stanley cup finals but i could see and kind of think washington will take it now but it could go either way i'm not do, like
1: how do you feel if evgeny kuznetsov doesn't play
0: if he doesn't play again it's going to be really hard for them but they won a game that he didn't play a lot of them, so it's possible mm-hmm. um That's true Lars Zeller, to his credit, really stepped up in a big way in Game 2 after Kuznetsov went down. I think he had at least two points Mm -hmm. um, and played really well uh, and made some nice passes to set up different goals. So, you know, if you lose players in the playoffs, you have to have people step up in huge roles. I don't know if he's the caliber of player to do that over the course of five more games, Uh, But yeah, I mean, if Kuznetsov's out for the series, that's obviously a big injury. But again, they survived Backstrom last series, and I would say as good as Kuznetsov's been in the playoffs, Backstrom is more integral to them, theoretically, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. So I don't know. I I think it's a major blow, uh, but not necessarily the end of the world. Um, And Vegas has not had much injury trouble at all in the playoffs. They got through a lot during the regular season, especially with their goalies, but I feel like they've been pretty healthy in the playoffs, so that could always catch up to them too. Mm-hmm. I think
1: this series reminds me a lot of the Jets-Predators series and that whoever scores first sort of has the upper hand. Mm-hmm. I know that's kind of true in just any game for uh, hockey, but I feel like if you are Vegas and you score first, now the Capitals have to play your game. Which is, I mean, essentially, you know, just score more goals. But Vegas loves to capitalize, again, <laughs> on um, mistakes. Loves to capitalize on teams that have to open it up a little bit more. And if they can go up by a goal or two, and then Washington has to start playing a little more freewheeling, that's how many times, like we said in, in game one, or like you said, the Capitals dominated mm-hmm. a lot of that game. But any time they made a little mistake, <laughs> Vegas was all over them, and I was in the back of... Washington's net yeah now if Conversely if the capitals can score first we've seen Uncharacteristically of this team in the past that they actually have sort of learned to shut teams down defensively I don't know. If it's the Barry trots factor, but they've played especially against the lightning when they went up in games a really hard trap And yeah. they started playing that in yesterday's game too against Vegas and you mm-hmm. can see Vegas was getting frustrated because Vegas it's weird It's because weird they've made the finals, but they're kind of a weird sort of one-and-a-half-line team. Mm-hmm. You've got Carlson and Tuck, or not Tuck, Carlson, Marcheseau, and Riley, mm-hmm. Riley Smith, um, as a line. And then you kind of have James Neal. And
0: Is that Perron on that line, too? Or? I think
1: Tuck, Neal, Perron, and they've switched him and Carpenter around. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, it, you can get scoring from any of them, but the, I mean, you shut down that top line, I don't kind of know what you have anymore.
0: That's the thing about Vegas that's so inexplicable. The talent isn't there. I mean, I we've said it before, but that's, it's not. It's kind of a ghost of a there. Team. It's just, you got Ryan Carpenter, who was a castaway from the Sharks, who has been with the Sharks for like five years because we played him in that playoff series. Uh Well, I guess that was only two or three years ago. But But still. But still, several years, I had never heard of this guy. And he's playing big minutes for you, you know? And and people talk about, well, you know, Gallant's the kind of coach that's not afraid to play the fourth line in the— in the big moments in the playoffs, and I'm kind of like, is that true or does he just have to? Like, mm-hmm. th- for one thing, what's the difference really between their bottom <laughs> two-and-a-half lines in terms of talent? <laughs> to be fair, their fourth line has shown up. Not yeah, just no, offensively, I'm, but I'm they not, look good. And, and obviously, like, when I'm, while I'm saying this, it's not just crap on the Knights. Yeah, they've, yeah. they've undone every expectation, and Marc-Andre Fleury's carried a lot of the you know when they've been down he's done a lot to pick them up i'm just saying like it's weird to me because i've seen like i saw i've seen people one of the questions in 31 thoughts to today was like is this the end of trap hockey with the way vegas is played and i'm like no because washington's beating them with a trap like you really read that that's such a weird question they answered today and they basically answered it the same way but it's like No, I mean, it's not, you can't, like, it would be very unwise, I think. People keep talking about, like, why can't the numbers guys explain what Vegas is? And I just think it's unwise to try and look at that because I don't think there's quantifying this. There's Mm -hmm. so much that's unquantifiable about what they're doing. Uh, And all of that I say to basically make the point that obviously Washington has more talent than them mm. because the, you know, but the Jets also did. I think the Sharks did, and I think them in L.A. were about equal, and they beat all, <laughs> all three of those teams.
1: And that's what's so hard for me to root against, or I guess pick against the Knights, is that I think the Capitals can certainly do it, but the Knights are the Knights, mm. and if they win game two, you know, in some fashion, you know, we'll just say, like, four to one, all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, shit, it's the Knights that are going to win yeah. again. You and, know what I mean? And
0: I mean, I think... Uh, you you hate to say that superstition or or history could be a deciding factor in a series in a series like this but the reality is that the capitals have a history of choking and the knights don't have a history of anything <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know and so like if it comes down to game 6 or game 7 and a call goes against the capitals that's unfair and the knights get a power play or whatever, you know, and if 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 the Capitals start to see the writing on the wall, and to their credit, they've done a really good job fighting that so far. But if they start to see the writing on the wall, then it's big trouble for them. And I would just suggest that the Capitals have to win at least two at home. Mm-hmm. Because if they have to come Back to Vegas is it two two one 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 in this yep. okay so if they if they go back to Vegas two two it's fine, but if they go back to Vegas three one it's over I mean that seems obvious, but like they're not winning mm-hmm. two of the final three in Vegas to take home this series I don't think
1: I think conversely two of it's three one caps if they win the two at home, I don't think Vegas has what is that? four wins and three wins in Three straight, yeah. yeah. That would just be too much.
0: I would never write them off at this point, but yeah, it's definitely. So I think game three is going to be really interesting with Kuznetsov probably missing it. it. Uh, Egvony Kuznetsov, as Bernie (laughs) Mikulis called him this morning, (laughs) the guy who's from Baltimore and supposedly a Capitals fan. Uh, Sorry, I had to take that shot because I was... Take it, Bernie. Uh, I love Bernie, but sometimes feel the burn he's very wrong um but yeah i mean it's 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 a big game for a lot of reasons um but one thing that i know we wanted to talk a little bit about before we moved on to other news uh and boys discussion is the opening ceremonies that they've had i know they had imagine dragons last night which you know I, i i mock imagine dragons a lot I think fairly, but that's a pretty (laughs) big get for the NHL. They're on the radio. By today's standards, you know. I mean, the NFL can have Bruno Mars and Justin Timberlake and whatever, but even that they only have once a year for the big thing, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Imagine Dragons is a pretty big deal for the NHL. Um, And they've just, you know, obviously they have the whole big intro every night and and i know this is a topic you wanted to talk about uh a little more so why don't you do that
1: <laughs> two things i'd rather it be the killers because they're from las vegas or, or, panic
0: at yeah, the or panic at the
1: disco apparently maybe they're saving that that'd be really cool i think maybe they should bring him in the guy that is panic at the disco yes
0: the one man that so, basically what's is his name the whole band, brandon urie i'm not proud i know it either folks but i do <laughs> I do, so why pretend that I don't? He's
1: got some great songs that panic at the disco. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I like what Vegas is doing. I think it's fun. I think it brings in the casual fan, which is sort of all of Vegas. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some hardcore hockey fans there. I'm sure there has to be. But for the most part, they're all casual fans. And like I've mentioned here before, in St. Louis, if you're a casual fan, that's what... All, that's what Louie is for at Blues Games. I mean, he's for the kids. That's what, like, the music is for and all the presentation is for. It's for casual fans. If you're hardcore, you don't care. You're just showing up for the hockey, and that's always there. So right. in a market that they're trying to grab a hold of... That's what Patrico is for. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> he rubs my, my Jimmy's the wrong way. <laughs> I don't think there's any right way for him to rub your jimmies. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. My brain doesn't work no more. Um... Yeah, it's a whole market they're trying to grab a hold of that's nothing but casual fans and a completely non-traditional hockey market. They've got to give you a bunch of pizzazz to go with hockey, otherwise you're never going to grab onto it. And it's Vegas, so it might as well inject Vegas characteristics into it. Another thing, too, is that they're the first professional team there, right? And they're going to have, and we mentioned before, an NFL team eventually. Um, maybe, you know, a baseball team or NBA team at some point. I'm sure, NBA. I mean, the is yeah.
0: there. Why wouldn't you? And
1: so maybe actually Sands' NBA team, this is something that can only happen... With, like, a hockey team. Mm-hmm. There's no way, I mean, baseball kind of gets a little fun every once in a while, but they're not doing all this stuff on the field, and especially, like, with how sanctimonious they are about field to play and everything, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And the NFL is not letting yep. this crap go on MLB, at all. much as
0: I love them, does love their sanctum.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you got to know that, like, for NFL, Roger Goodell is having no part in, like, Oh, and beforehand for half an hour, we're going to have knights fight people on the field. And like, no, 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 yeah, no. I mean, this is the NFL, and we need people to tune in. Yeah,
0: NFL's all about the fire pillars. And well, that's
1: the thing, too. With those being such bigger leagues, they don't have to... <laughs> the anthem
0: for <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, uh, go on. We're going to walk right <laughs> over that debate.
1: Um, yeah, with... How big those leagues are, they don't need to grab you. People in Vegas are going to go to an NFL game. Right. It doesn't matter. But hockey is a much harder sell.
0: Well, plus, I mean, I think one of the things that gets ignored well, for one thing, NFL ticket sales aren't doing that great True. overall. But for another thing, the NFL's one thing a week, eight times a year, other than playoffs, you know, and post or preseason. But like, it's not, you don't have to find ways to drive people to the stadium all the time. Mm-hmm. It's enough that they get to see any game, you
1: know? So <laughs> like, That sounds like a Roger Goodell argument. Right, right. I don't have to make any changes. They it's should enough. just
0: come. But yeah, I mean, to, to your point, I, and I think a lot of the, the passionate fans, uh, that are in Vegas are non-Vegas fans. Like, Mm -hmm. I heard a story from a a guy who is a Vegas fan but is a little more casual who was like, yeah, I've got some really good friends out here who are transplants from Washington, and they were hardcore Capitals fans. But when the Knights moved here, they got into it, but they never, like, could have imagined this being their predicament, you know? (laughs) And, And he was like, they're going for the Capitals, which is cool. But, yeah, I mean, this stuff isn't for us like it's not for the two guys that have a hockey podcast Mm -hmm. I enjoy it fine I'm not complaining about it but like that's not why they do that for one thing they do it to pump up an atmosphere which is great And, and I think that's another big part of this is like you know we talked a little bit before about like Nashville has similar things, and we're probably hypocritical in the fact that we don't like their ceremonies as much. They throw dead animals on the <laughs> ice. <laughs> we don't like them, but like for one yeah. thing, we don't really like country music either. One of us, especially, so that doesn't help. But I and and some of this is my own bias, but I feel like there was a little bit more arrogance to Nashville last year. Like they sort of invented hockey fandom you know especially mm-hmm. with the you suck chance and everything and like good for them for being into it great for them and i mean this sincerely i really thought it was going to be like a total dead fish no pun intended <laughs> this year after they got bounced last year, you know, because I thought they were going to build all this steam for the playoffs and then the regular season rolled around in like a total, you mm-hmm. know, to- total donut. But that did not happen, so congratulations them. And even that's great for the league. Like, I don't like it because it annoys me because I don't like Nashville, but yeah. it's great for the league. But, like, yeah, I mean, I think Vegas is different because – uh, the one, one moment that really caught me was after the Wilson hit in game one. I think this is when I noticed this. It was really quiet in mm-hmm. there. And like any other NHL arena, people are going ballistic. They're doing the rescue suck chant. They're booing. They may be throwing things on the <laughs> ice. Um, they're certainly not just kind of quietly biding their time and so all of that is to say that one of the functions of doing the big pregame thing is like you got to create that home mm-hmm. atmosphere you know if you've got a bunch of casual or less knowledgeable fans in there you need to kind of artificially generate that that and yeah it's like vegas is just the perfect town for it yeah I heard uh, Bernie McQuest talking a little bit about, like, well, it's really cheesy, and uh, it doesn't seem to really fit Vegas' motif, you know, and he also <laughs> talked about the the well, why is the NHL media so impressed by it, and I'll answer both of those questions. For one thing, I don't feel like Vegas' motif is, like, pure class, you know? I don't think this place that's home to, like, Siegfried and Roy and, like... The, you know. Stomp. Stomp. <laughs> yeah. Stop there. I love Stomp. They bang everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there are more classy shows. Obviously, they had Sinatra, but it's an entertainment capital, which means they're appealing to everyone, not just fancy people. Yeah. You know, I mean. Yeah. And so so that made no sense to me. But then, like, why is the NHL media so impressed? Because there's nothing new allowed in the NHL ever. Mm-hmm. They were just, like, the NHL is a whole bunch of old crusty bottoms. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> but you know what? I Like, oh. Like, it's just, I, I don't want to go too far on this tangent. But, as I slap my microphone around, <laughs> but... Uh, God forbid something new or interesting ever happen in the
1: show, right? I'd love the Blues to do something. They kind of slowly grabbed onto this whole, like, we're part of St. Louis thing, I Uh think, since the Rams left. And that's cool, but I want a little bit more, like... Something I don't know what it is. Or just
0: have like jazz
1: musicians out yeah. there. Whatever. I'm glad like, they brought the trumpet guy Yeah, in. that's kind of cool for sure.
0: And and I think they've done more this year with like the lights and having the bigger scoreboard and everything. What but we're trying to say is we don't want Seven Nation Army as our goal song. Yeah, yeah, kill agree. me, please. <laughs> we I've thought about having a poll, like a tournament over the summer of like what would. Two guys, no cup supporters, want the song to be. And Seven Nation Armored will not be an option. So if you want us to do right that, pull, let us know. Uh, but... I love all of it. The, the
1: knight yeah, fighting on the yeah. ice. It's, the like it, castle. It's the narrator. It certainly
0: is cheesy. There's I no question. It. But it's great. And if you don't like it, don't watch it. And just get over I'm mean, Not get over yourself. That's more aggressive than I want to be. But like... <laughs> We're angry. Everything's not meant to appeal to everyone, right? Mm. And I think in, in this day and age, we're a bit more prone to thinking that it should be, you know? Because, like... I can choose, I can very specifically, there's so much content in the world that I can only watch the things I enjoy and be satisfied forever. I don't just have three stations, you Mm -hmm. know, or whatever people had like only 40 or 50 years ago. It's absurd how quickly (laughs) things have evolved. But like, you know what I'm saying? So like, I think when people are kind of forced to sit through this, hey, puck drops at 7.15, you know, I'm going to show up at 7.15 to watch hockey, and they're frigging singing Thunder by Imagine Dragons, which is a terrible song. I get why you'd be upset. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I think if there's one criticism I would have of the NHL, it, and especially NBC, if puck drops supposed to be 7.15, puck sh- the puck should drop at seven oh, yeah. fifteen. that's
1: my one and Ola you should branch. start
0: this stuff at 6 15 or 5 30 or four twelve. whenever you need to start it to make sure it's done yeah. by when the puck's supposed
1: that's to my go. one olive branch people that complain about this whole intro thing going on in vegas is that i like it all it is kind of long so mm-hmm. i get people going man can we just get to hockey i'm like i got you for sure right
0: and, and I think, I mean, one of the things that I've, I've watched a lot more soccer this year, as I kind of alluded to last year, and one of the, or last episode, and one of the things that really impresses me about soccer is, like, that ball kicks off whenever the start time is. Because we were watching, we watched that game together on Saturday, and I... Un, un unexpectedly they had Dua Lipa come out and do a performance beforehand kind of like a Super Bowl halftime show. She's great. And she she is. She's amazing and the the British people just love her. But she and she and all her like huge, I mean not Super Bowl size, but pretty big set. The whole field was covered and everything. It felt like got out there 15 minutes before kickoff. And sure as Heck, that thing was supposed to kick off at 145 and if it kicked off late it kicked off thirty seconds late, you Mm -hmm. know, and and so I mean that's you can't you can't manufacture that in American sports because they don't have the same like roving clock. That soccer has where it never stops and you just kind of, I mean, within 10 minutes, you know when you're leaving a soccer stadium, you know, anytime. You can't force that, but you shouldn't make it worse. So that's the one area where the NHL should improve this. But beyond that, I say it's fun. Let them have their fun. Let them eat cake, (laughs) etc. Do you have more to say about the series or the celebrations or... Why Tom Wilson's a git, or Barry (laughs) Trotz, or Gerard Gallant, or whatever. I love hockey. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Okay. All right. Uh, So, yeah. I mean, uh, game three is Saturday, because why have momentum?
1: I think the big game is Monday, because then... It's, it's a yeah. 2-1 series between somebody, and if someone's going up 3-1, it's... Uh... Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, but Saturday and Monday, we... I guess Game 5 would be Thursday, right? So yeah, they're doing the two days between travel. There's a slim war. chance when we talk next, we'll know who wins the Stanley Cup, Ooh. but it's very slim. I don't think this thing's ending in five. No. I'd be pretty shocked. But uh, with that said, let's move on to some blues news. There's a little bit. The trickle. The, the faucets, it's not really open, but it's not shut as much <laughs> as it was. Uh, today, we got news that Nico Mikola was signed to a two-year entry-level deal. He is a Finnish defensive prospect. Oh, yeah. A big body kind of person, I believe. Um, you have more of the details on him, so why don't you give those to us? Niko Mikola, a Finnish
1: defenseman. <laughs> thank you, because <laughs> he has to be. That's a that's just a weird no, name. No, are not
0: named Mikola from like anywhere else. Yeah,
1: he's not like.
0: It's weird, Eric how, like,
1: Anderson.
0: All of those, uh, what's the word for that area for the northern? You know, Scandinavia. Scandinavia. Thank you. All those Scandinavian countries are kind of the same, but Finland's not. Mm-mm. In fact, there's something. Nor nordic
1: versus scandinavian it's different mm. and one of them leaves finland out because finland's the odd man out in terms of language or mm. something anyways Nico Miklas from there he's a left-hand defenseman he was drafted in the fifth round in 2015 which was the 127th overall pick real deep but really in the middle
0: 20,
1: 20, when did you say? 17? Uh,
0: yeah, 2015. 15, okay. Yeah. I was like, wow, that was
1: a quick <laughs> No, he's 22 years old, uh, 6'4", 185 pounds. Probably got to fill out a little bit more. But, I mean, that's Pareko size. tall. Yeah. Uh, more of a stay-at-home defenseman. For those defenseman. of you that didn't know. Yeah, in case you yourself are 6'7", <laughs> <seven> and think 6'4 <laughs> is just a tiny Shrimpy human.
0: Yeah,
1: he's tiny. Uh, More of a physical defenseman, has a bit of snarl in him. I would expect him to try for the third pairing. Yeah, you old finish snarl. Oh yeah. You know those fins that get so angry. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen an angry fin ever. No. Yori Lateria couldn't hurt a fly. He couldn't he could order Pizza Hut though. Pizza Hut. <laughs> when you wow. wanna score goals, you go to the front of the net and when you wanna order pizza, <laughs> you call Pizza Hut. Thanks, <laughs> Yori. Now Back I got it.
0: Back to you, John. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, I miss him just for his quotes, and that's it. Uh, Um, bring him back for
0: like (laughs) seven (laughs) fifty. He can play on our fifth line. League minimum to be a healthy scratch, and let us do your Laterra quotes. You should bring him back just to be the interview guy on zero to sixty. That's true. You should bring him back just to be Vladimir Tarasenko's friend. Like, what's the value of that? I do feel kind of bad. Seven fifty a year, right?
1: Ryan Reeves is gone. Chris Stewart's gone. Kevin shattenkirk has gone. Yori Letera's gone. <laughs>
0: Vlad, where are your friends, Vlad? You heard
1: it here first. He's, he's Tarasenko's unhappy. Teresanko's tanking, man. Yeah, he doesn't like it. But <laughs> N- N- Nico Mikula, um, I think he's going to try for the third pairing position this year. I'm sure he's going to sort of fight with Jake Wallman. They're both left-handed defensemen. They're very different. Walman's definitely an offensive-minded defenseman. But I do think you'll probably just end up playing most of the year in San Antonio, which is great because we have an AHL team for that. But I think you'll be an NHL contributor, and we'll talk more about Nico Mikula. In the future, when we do a little bit of a prospect talk, maybe a prospect pyramid.
0: That's what we in the business call a teaser, folks. Yeah, I mean, I think there had been rumors about him, not rumors, there had been discussion about Mm -hmm. him being, (laughs) pushing for a potential roster spot and being potential fifth through seventh defenseman in that range. And I think this only solidifies that possibility, mm-hmm. obviously. And you keep him from running away to Finland like Jori did yeah. back in the day. So,
1: Interestingly enough, you can do this because he has one more year left in his contract in the Finnish league. Mm-hmm. But I think the Finnish and the Swedish and maybe a few other countries, but not Russia, um, have an agreement with the NHL that essentially the NHL team pays a certain penalty to that league and then they can bring the player over mm-hmm. in the KHL, you have to actually buy out their contract, like for what it's worth. Oh, wow. So that's why it's like a big deal if someone goes to Russia and signs a KHL contract because then they're kind of stuck over there mm. versus these other leagues.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Good info. Good mm-hmm. intel from our field reporters. <laughs> uh, a couple of coaching bits to mention. Uh, the Blues hired Mike Van Reen or Ryan. I'm going to guess Ryan. Uh, no, I'm going to guess Reen. I don't know. It's Van something. Uh, <laughs> wild MVR wild. was brought in to be an assistant coach. Uh, he will be replacing Daryl Sidor on the coaching staff. Uh, Sidor is... Why, though? I, I don't feel comfortable <laughs> answering that question. Because here's the thing, folks. The Blues and Sidor very very like above boardly said oh he just wants to step away to spend more time with his family And then I heard an interview with Jeremy Rutherford today on 101 ESPN, which you can find the interview at 101sports.com. I feel like I'm a shill for them now. I'm just trying to properly cite my sources. And Jeremy Rutherford was weirdly like, yeah, but also Daryl Sador has a history of drinking problems. So maybe that's part of it, Which which was weird. But then he said... I don't know. Right. So, like, to me, in my head, I'm like, but you do know, right? Like, is this one of those things where you wanted to get the story kind of out there, but you couldn't just say it? It wasn't a Daniel Alfredson situation, which is the big news story of the Mm. week. We should have talked about that some, but it's not surprising. Mm. (laughs) For those of you that didn't know, Daniel Alfredson this week told a reporter that he basically wanted the owner, who sucks, in Ottawa to be removed and sell the team, and he then said it was supposed to be off the record, but she reported it anyway, and it's a whole big thing. But it's not like a big thing that the news is surprising, because the owner does suck. But anyway... <laughs> um. Yeah, so weird story with Sidor. You know what that reminds me of? What? Like, I always
1: wonder about this in um, like Law and Order shows or like uh, law dramas and stuff on TV. If New you... York
0: City bartender who remembers every <laughs> face of every oh, yeah, person yeah. that's ever been in the bar.
1: But like when you're in the court, the courtroom as you do, and someone, the um, prosecutor says something like, you killed him, didn't you? And they're like, that's badgering the witness. And they're like, strike that from the record, or I retract that question Mm -hmm. or whatever. It's like, okay, and they'll be like, jurors, I instruct you to not remember what you just heard. And they'll nod their heads like, okay. (laughs) But you know what? It's still out there. I've
0: never understood that.
1: So he goes, maybe it's a Sidor drinking problem. I don't know. Who knows? And it's like, well, you said it, so now I'm thinking it. Anyways.
0: It's like the OJ trial where it's like, jurors, you're not supposed to consider that he's a very famous, very charismatic black athlete. And it's like, Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let me close my eyes and plug my ears. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We don't
1: know. It was just a weird comment. It was by was just odd. It was
0: just like, I re-listened to it three or four times to be like, wait, does Van Ryan have the drinking problem or what? And so, we're
1: hiring him. No, but we hired another guy with glasses that's, for behind the bench, that's, and it's nerd alert time <laughs> behind the bench. We got... Mike Yo wears glasses. He wears contacts, but he's he's vision impaired. You can tell. <laughs> Mike Viggs. He Ryan. looks all squinty. Oh yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure Daryl Sador had him on. You uh, know Steve Ott's
0: got him on oh, up in the box. Oh, Be sure. able to see Jack up yeah, there. For sure. That's nerd alert. <laughs> Steve Ott nerd number one. <laughs> He's wonderful, though. He's also the NHL's number one faceoff. Yeah, man.
1: Mark Berube needs to start stealing... Craig Berube. Craig Berube. <laughs> Craig Berube needs to start stealing lunch I money from his nerds. I get stuff so
0: wrong so often that when the opportunity to correct you presents itself, <laughs> I have to take it. Um... So, getting back to the point, Van Reen is 39 (laughs) years old. He's hired after a year where he led the Tucson Roadrunners of the AHL to the Pacific Division title uh, with a record of 42-20-6. He was a player development coach for the, I wrote, Diamondbacks. No, 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 no. Weird crossover no. <laughs> there for the Coyotes, would of course be the team that he was a player development coach for, which I feel weird. Like, I know those are separate divisions, but I feel like an AHL head coach is a player development coach. Uh, Do you have something to interject? Okay. He uh, has also coached for the Kitchener Rangers, the Houston Arrows of the AHL, and the Niagara Ice Dogs of the OHL. Your favorite, the Kitchener Rangers. I just love the name for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I had a professor from Kitchener, Ontario, so, you know. Checks Uh, all the boxes. uh, Ding. There it is, folks. (laughs) I've muted this thing seven times, but hey. Um... (laughs) Uh, Van Ryan played across, like, eight seasons in the NHL. He actually played three of them with the, uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Six, St. Louis Blues. Good God, Steven! We're all over the place. Get your act together! St. Louis Blues, I was just reading, that text was about the Cardinals walking it off after being behind seven to four, or seven, I guess eight to five, excuse me, in the bottom of the ninth, so good for them. Um, but in any case, uh... He played across three seasons with the Blues, recording 13 points in 69 games, Uh, so he didn't play a lot in the (laughs) big club. But uh, Rutherford says he had a 45-minute interview with him today and liked his approach to interacting with young players, which I think is a big push in the NHL right now, is getting guys who can communicate with younger players, which I think is a skill Mike Yo has, or at least Theoretically, he says he does, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's on his resume. So, we'll know more about Van Ryan next week. Hopefully, how to pronounce his name. Uh, but that's a I like the hire, he's not the PowerPoint specialist we really need, though. So, I hope there's another addition to this coaching yeah. staff. Uh, and then, Jeremy Rutherford also reported on Twitter that Drew Bannister is a candidate for the uh, head coaching vacancy with the San Antonio Rampage. Uh, Bannister is 44 years old, and he's the head coach currently of the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds in the OHL, I want to say, but I could be wrong. Uh, Sault Ste. Marie? That sounds like QMJHL, but I we'll think it out. actually is OHL. Oh, no, yeah, he was OHL Coach of the Year this year, so it is the OHL. Bang on. Uh, um, so he had a, he's had a 136... And 50 and 18 record with the Sioux, as I've seen them referred to. He was named OHL Coach of the Year this year after carrying the team. I said carrying the team like he did. He put the team on his back uh, to a 55 55, 7 3 and 3 record. I don't know what the fourth number is. With 116 points, um, which is the best season in team history. Uh, The one complication here is that Bannister is also reportedly being considered for the vacancy with the Belleville Senators, uh, which is the AHL affiliate of the Ottawa Senators, not surprisingly, Uh, and Bannister is from belleville ontario and has history with the senators organization so that might be a strong pull for him so he knows how much it sucks but at the same <laughs> time what i was thinking was i feel like san antonio is going to be a lot more fun team to coach because if the senators are as bad as they are right now i can't imagine their ahl official affiliates popping off uh so uh yeah, I mean, so I just, we'll find out more as things unfold for uh, the San Antonio vacancy, but if that guy was to take the job, I'd really be uh, enthused about that. So, are you ready now to move into our favorite trade segment?
1: My least our favorite segment. Our disastrous trade segment. Yeah, our disastrous.
0: That, that Tommy oh. Hummel condemned us to for the rest gun, of the tournament. Gun to the head. Uh, you want me to start? You want to start?
1: Um, I'm going to, uh, more noises. Uh, you start. Okay. This is a catastrophe. That Good. I I'm offered. glad we're starting
0: with that. Our teams this week, by the way, are the Florida Panthers, the Los Angeles Kings, the Minnesota Wild, and the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, in our first trade, Florida will receive Tage Thompson, mm-hmm. Patrick Bergwind, oh. And I'm gonna say Winnipeg's first round pick. Okay. And here's the thing. Ooh, the kicker. I don't know if this is possible, but if it's possible, Jay Bomeister. Oh. As here's the th- here's the two as things. A warm If he's body. injured and doesn't isn't gonna play well this year, uh, and as a salary dump for the year. Uh, and I think depending on whether Jay Bo Meister's in there might depend on whether the picks are involved or whatever, it'd change a little bit. I don't know if it's I don't know what the legality is of trading an injured player and that sort of thing, so that's why it's a question mark. But the player I'd want to get back from them is Nick Bugstad. And if we gave them the first round pick in this deal, I'd want Arizona's second round pick back, which they have, which would just move us back about ten spots. Um which I think is it's considerable value, mm. so it's not like a nothing swap, and it moves us into the second round, but it would hurt less than just trading the first-round pick. Uh, Bugstad had 49 points last year and is uh, 49.3% in his career on the face-off circle, and he makes $4.1 million per year through 2021. So he's a player I like. Uh, the Panthers have a lot of players I like, and you can only imagine if they— just hypothetically had players like Jonathan Mershashow and Riley Smith and a coach like Gerard Gallant, how good of a team they'd be. Uh, But, of course, (laughs) they would never have been able to acquire such players from the Vegas Golden Knights (laughs) or such a coach. Um, Yeah, that was a little unnecessary to have in all you (laughs) Florida supporters out there. But uh, what's your trade, and what do you think of that trade? How terrible is it? (laughs) That's that's, a fine trade. Good trade. Part of the value we're giving up there, by the way, is to get rid of Patrick Berglund. Oh, yeah. I want to make that very quick. Addition
1: by subtraction. I have us trading Jake Allen, Ivan Barbashov, and I just like saying the word conditional. A conditional fourth round pick to Florida for James Reimer.
0: Ooh, I don't hate that. Say our side one more time. I got distracted uh,
1: by a text message. Allen, Barbashev. Unprofessional. And a conditional fourth.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: The condition being that James Reimer is a good goalie. <laughs> <laughs> um, Florida gets. I, wonder, a,
0: I guess you can tie it to anything, but I yeah. wonder if you could tie that sort of thing to save percentage or something. Or I don't know starts. I, I mean, mean, usually it'd be like game started or something. When,
1: when Broder came here and we gave him bonuses, it was for every win he got. Mm-hmm. He got a certain amount of money, which I'd never heard before. I don't know if you can do that for like trades and uh, conditional picks, but. Florida gets a starting goalie with, I mean, some great streaks in him, and he can eventually, Allen that is, replace an aging Luongo, uh, along with a young center and Barbashev and a fourth-round pick. Uh, Blues get a more reliable goalie with sort of less amazing streaks for uh, someone that's cheaper than Allen, essentially. Allen makes a little over four and Reimer makes a little under four, so you're saving some cash there. I I don't mind Reimer. I think it would still be a stopgap for the Blues, Mm -hmm. but I think it's a safer stopgap
0: than Jake Allen.
1: And some people would tell me he's got a
0: contract for what two more years after this year.
1: Yeah, some uh, it might be longer than that. It might be three, but it's something where you have that's enough time for Huso or somebody to grab it. Anyways, I've always kind of liked Reimer. I think he's been sort of plagued by a bad Leafs team he was in front of. He was a little inconsistent, like, but I don't think it was any more than Allen. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I think you're getting more consistency, but you're not going to get those amazing saves or, you know, a crazy yeah. run like Allen gives you every once in a while. Yeah, but
0: what we need right now is consistency, yeah. I think. I think that's a good trade. I like it. I approve. You want right. to take us to Los Angeles? Yeah, how
1: about this unapproved <laughs> trade? Yeah. Um, I couldn't think of anything for the Los Angeles Kings. Steven took mine, but not really. Uh, <laughs> not there was bad. really only one like player I thought I wanted on there. There's just so many players with either crazy long contracts or players that are RFAs, so I was like, why bother? Or
0: players that are Dustin Brown. Yeah, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> so I have Steen and Tage Thompson for Jeff Carter. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I don't think they do that but, Probably not. Maybe, they but do. maybe anything more they would want from us I would then nix the train
0: <laughs> yeah Carter uh, had some injury problems so
1: yeah it's swapping vets for two players that essentially kind of get injured but I think Jeff Carter still has the higher offensive mm, ceiling for sure and so that's kind of why we throw in the Tage Thompson I Jeff Carter's had a couple 60 point seasons Other than last year, before he got injured. And him and Steen are about the same age. I didn't realize Steen was 34 already. Carter's 33. I think you're swapping wings. So if Steen plays left, Carter plays right. You can put him on the second line there. You don't have to worry too much about him on that role. You don't have to rely on him as a first-line player. Uh, they're probably looking for like another prospect. Realistically, the Kings are like, okay, Tage Thompson and Jordan Cairo. And you're like, mm. Mm, no. Or like, and a first. And you're like, mm, nah. So, I don't know. Who's their GM anymore these days? It's not Lombardi. I don't know. I don't. I've lost track. Do it. GM of the Kings.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what Doug Armstrong would say. On Who are you? Hello, fellow GM. <laughs> uh, I like that. I actually like that. Um mine's a I little I think yours strange. is more realistic. I mean, mine's a player that I would love to get back. I don't know how willing they are to trade him, and I don't know what the price would be if they would. Uh, but I have us sending Robbie Fabry and Tage Thompson. Tage is getting picked on a lot this night. I'm sorry. And maybe a pick. I don't know. You know, that depends on what the price would be uh, for Tyler Toffoli. Uh, I really like Toffoli. I watched some of his highlights. He's a uh, 24, 25. He's a young player. Um, he's an honest-to-God right-handed shot, which Hooray. we do so desperately. Uh, he has 24 goals and 47 points this year. Uh, in 15, 16, he had uh, 31 goals Uh, but hasn't had a season that good since. I think he missed time last year, and his shooting percentage that year was like 14%, so it was a little elevated, I think, around 10 as normal, but nothing crazy. Uh, According to Natural Stat Trick, he had 99 high-danger chances this last year, which felt like a good number, although I haven't really compared it to other players around the league. Uh, But he took almost 200 shots, so he's a free shooter, which I like. Um, he's done some penalty killing, uh, which is cool too. Um, I don't know how LA would feel about trading him. He looked kind of fast. I know they're trying to build speed. Uh, but he's a, a great player young player, a player I think would have, I don't want to say every trade we make from now on is going to be Braden Shen, where like we get a player and they just skyrocket. But I think there's a lot of similarities to Braden Shen, where he's kind of a player that maybe isn't featured quite as heavily in their lineup as he could be in others. Um, And he's got a $4.6 million deal this year and next, so you'd have a little term on him, but he's not like, under control forever, which might make him tradable. Again, I think the big question mark with getting to Foley is I don't know if L.A. is willing to move him, uh, mm-hmm. but they may be in a position looking at their division where they're willing to do kind of a mini-transition and try to get younger and faster without losing much talent. And Fabry and Thompson could help them do that, maybe. Yeah,
1: I have the thought. It's, it's, it's not a fake thought. Say, Oh, no, it's like wrong. It's, so oh, okay. yeah, That's what I was trying to say. I it's a wrong I think Los Angeles
0: thought. is the capital of Utah. So yeah, <laughs> some, yeah, pretty much. Something like that. Um, <laughs> so you want to move on to Minnesota? I mean, yeah. I will move on, I suppose.
1: You go right uh, ahead.
0: I've traded all of the same players tonight. In this trade, I'm giving up Ravi Fabry and a fourth round pick, maybe. I don't realize maybe. how. I don't know. This is a weird trade because I don't know really the value of any of the pieces involved. But we'd be receiving. Uh, St. Louis native and right-handed shot Luke Koonen who was picked in the first round of the 2016 NHL draft um, Chesterfield zone Yes exactly uh just uh, I think I, it'd be awesome for us to get one of the four guys or five guys that went in the first round that year uh be it Koonen or Keller or Brown or the other ones <laughs> but uh yeah I mean that's it's hard to make a deal in division uh there, Minnesota is definitely a team that I think will be making a lot of deals this summer if they can, especially kind of redefining under new GM GM or face. <laughs> uh, do you remember Fenton? his name? Fenton. Paul, yeah. Fenton Paul Fenton. That sounds right. Sure. We'll go with it. Uh, we're going with it. Uh, not Chuck Fletcher. That's yeah. what his name's going to be for the next year and a half until I've got it really nailed <laughs> down. Um, but, yeah, I mean, any interdivision division trade is going to be hard and weird, uh, so those are always a little unlikely. Uh, but I feel like this could be a deal that you get the fun of bringing in a, f- a local kid who is, you know, basically NHL-ready, and they get the guy who's NHL-proven but has some risk, and that's why you might mitigate it with, you know, the fourth-round pick or whatever. Mm-hmm.
1: I think yours is a lot more... Realistic than mine. I feel like that's true amongst all of these.
0: Us is trading what for Parise and Suther? Oh,
1: varf. I have us trading Vladimir Saboka, Tage Thompson, and Jake Wallman for Eric Stahl.
0: Oh, baby!
1: Now that's a big get because he had a crazy year last year. He had 76 points, 42 goals, 34 assists. That's huge. He has one more year left on his contract, 3.5 million, and I don't think he's going to resign in Minnesota because there's no there's no cup
0: future yeah, there of players that I think will be traded this summer. He's at the top of yeah. the list.
1: So that's exactly with Jeff a,
0: Skinner and, like, I don't even know who else is on that
1: list. The but, other stall. Yeah. The, uh, whatever his name is. Jordan Stall. Jordan. Yeah. I think this is something Minnesota does because they get something for him. Mm-hmm. And I think the more somethings you throw in, the nicer looks to Minnesota because they just want some things you know i mean they want a lot but also you can counter as the other gm as doug armstrong like i'm getting a year of this dude like i can't give yeah, you the I moon don't,
0: i don't know that it, what do you have 41 goals last year 42 yeah i don't know that you're gonna be able that's, to sell him as a 42 that's not goal gonna scorer. happen again yeah i don't know what his shooting percentage was but i have a little trouble believing you sell him as that caliber player.
1: yeah so you get rid of a lot of stuff I mean, not necessarily stuff the Blues have to have in Saboka, Thompson, and Wallman. but then you get a second line center for one year, and the thought process being, hey, maybe, and hopefully, we're better than the Wild, and this will be sort of us on the upswing, and we can kind of sell this to Eric Stahl, so maybe he has another good year. Mm-hmm. Maybe we say, hey, sign for the same amount for three years. Yeah, yeah, or two years or something like that. And then he's like, oh, yeah, sure. So then you've kind of solidified. A second line, probably transitioning to third line center, but a one that's good, one that's, you know, used to be great can still kind of be great, obviously. Yeah.
0: And I think Eric Stahl, I think the, the Wild would be wise to look at him as kind of found money because mm-hmm. they took sort of a low, low risk two or three year deal on him. I can't remember if they signed him before this season or before last. Yeah. I want to say two years ago. I think so. Um, but it was like a 3 year low cost deal cuz his value was pretty low at that point point. and now they have an opportunity to get pretty great value for him after what he did last year there's going to be a lot of demand for him and they'd be really stupid with how good this division is right now to try and hold on to him and pretend but that they're yeah. a real contender next year and just you know and this is one of the one of the lessons i think all these teams need to learn more often is if you have these guys in summer just trade them. Just make make the smart move and trade them in summer and get m- much more for them than you would trading them at the deadline. Yeah, you know?
1: That's true. My Montreal Canadiens trade. Um, I think this is realistic. I think this is somebody we would go for. I was going to say we trade for Brendan Gallagher but i we
0: couldn't possibly get him no
1: i honestly think that's harder than the trade i'm going to propose i say patrick Berglund and jordan Kyrou for alex galchenyuk i really Ooh. do think our chances of getting uh, alex galchenyuk are reasonable mm-hmm. in reality and i think they're much more likely in reality too than a gallagher um just because gallagher's like a locker room leader and scrappy and pretty much everything you want in a hockey player. He's a dreamboat. I love him. Um, <laughs> but I think Galchenyuk fills, again, a second-line center role. Montreal gets their Thomas Placanek replacement in Berglund more or less. <laughs> I'm going to say Berglund has... Does he have
0: to start wearing turtlenecks?
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. And he's, uh, I'd say he's maybe a little more defensively sound. A little more of a two-way game, I'd say. Um, along with a hot prospect in Jordan Cairo. Well, we mean
0: that in all ways.
1: Oh yeah, case. another dream boat. Um, well, also no
0: ladies no, listen to this. Podcast. <laughs>
1: no, no, no. I don't know. Maybe you're into it, but um, they also get rid of a problem player, supposedly, and yeah. Alex Galchenyuk. I don't necessarily. Ha- buy... I'd
0: be happy for him to be our. Problem. Oh yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I don't
1: really buy it, but sure. And why not? The nice not? thing
0: with him is I think he's got two more years on his deal, so if he's a problem player, you can just kick the can down the road mm-hmm. in two years I
1: exactly mean,
0: you wouldn't want to give up Cairo and do that but it is an option at least you're not yeah. taking a big risk
1: he's like, like
0: i wouldn't trade anything for jonathan drewine right now no With the seven eight year deal they gave him how stupid um
1: <laughs> montreal is another just hard team i'm interested to see what you got for
0: us so i took a little bit of a different approach with montreal i think they're i think they're a pretty believable trade partner for us. They're not in our conference. Yeah. They've got players they're looking to sell. I mean, we've obviously been linked to patches in the past, Max Patch uh, already. But there were a lot of rumors, enough that I think there was smoke there. Whether it was a trickle or like a billowing plume of smoke, <laughs> it's hard to tell. But there were enough rumors about a Carey Price deal that I thought it might be fun to look at what that might look like. Ooh. And so, in my deal for Carey Price, I have us trading Jake Allen, that's obvious. I mean, you've obviously Dull, yeah. got him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Duh. Jake Allen, Jordan Cairo, so the same prospect. Uh the Winnipeg first round pick. Mhm. And then maybe other picks. And I threw in Sammy Blay because you know how they love their French Canadians. Mm -hmm. So uh, we give up a big package. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Uh, We give up a lot, but not too much for arguably the best goalie in hockey. And then I think we obviously would get Carey Price in this deal. I would also like us to get Geordie Ben as kind of like a throw-in because I think he'd be a really nice seventh or sixth defenseman, depending on how Mikula pans out. Mm-hmm. He'd just be a nice body to have. We got real thin on defense this year, so I'd like us not to do that again. Are they retaining any salary? Oh, yes. I was getting Okay, that. sorry. Uh, so so Carey Price has a $10.5 million deal for like seven more years seven or eight more years I think you said thirty percent which would be what I guess three million dollars yeah. <laughs> three or so million dollars I think if they ate 2.5 two to 2.5 and then you know I'd rather they ate 3.5 or something I I'd, t- I'd heard rumors of half I don't think that's believable. you demand half. I, you start with half for sure, mm-hmm. but I don't think you're keeping them at half. But here's the thing. Carry price at, let's say it's on the low end of what I said, 2.5. Carry price at $8 million a year, 8 by 8 mm-hmm. let's say, because I think that's what's left on it. As the salary cap increases, which True. is something we didn't mention, um... Uh, Bettman did his state of the league speech this week, and he was asked directly, and he said the the cap will be between seventy eight and eighty two million dollars this year, which the players have to vote on. Uh, Friedman predicted they'd split it down the middle because they have something. With escrow that they have to pay depending yeah. on where the cap is. I don't know what the word escrow is. I think it's an acronym. You're all smarter than me. You know it's got something to do with taxes and losing money that should be yours. Uh, but we hate it. <laughs> but he, I think that they had the same thing last year where it was like a four or three million dollar range or whatever, and they just cut it in half. They just did the middle point, point. and so he predicted it'd be the same, which would be eighty million this year, which would be a five million increase this year that's only going to go up with the success of vegas and i've heard people say it could be a hundred million before very long Mm, especially and if it's a hundred million in the last three years of this deal eight million of that going to carry price is nothing you know so um i think you can take that gamble eight million For the best goalie in the league, which I still think Carey Price is when healthy, isn't absurd anyway. They've been paying Henrik Lundqvist that for God knows how long, you know. So I think it's doable. I don't know that this trade happens, but I do think—I mean, Montreal's just— well, Bergevan, but even that fan base is just one of those places where it's like anything could happen with that team at any time. Mm-hmm. They could sign Tavares and trade for Jeff Skinner and not give up anything, or they could like trade Pachoretti and Price and Galchenyuk, and all three deals could be clear losses for them, <laughs> but they'd get like they'd somehow get uh, Pierre, what's the Dubois kid from yeah. uh columbus and like be satisfied with that so like i don't know they're a weird team they're hard to judge but i do think you know we've we've gone through different teams and we've talked about who's a better trade fit and who's not i think Buffalo's a really good trade mm-hmm. fit for us a trade partner i think montreal is one of the two teams of the teams we've covered yeah. so far those two and edmonton. maybe edmonton yeah. are the three i look at as like oh yeah i could really see something happening here um so yeah, that was just kind of my fun stab at what that might look like. Well, that's a it's good one. very out there. It's very unlikely, uh, but it'd be nice. It'd there, be nice. There was
1: smoke there during the season.
0: Yeah, exactly. So who knows? Uh, so we're basically done, I guess. That's over. The season is going to be wrapped up uh, either by next episode or the one after that, which mm-hmm. will be weird. So. If you have any input, I mean, we have some sort of a framework from what we did last year and some a bunch of ideas for what we want to do this summer, which we should probably get started on. Uh, but if you have any ideas for what you'd like us to cover or what you'd like us to do, uh, whatever, you know, keep it fun. Keep it light. No, <laughs> um, if you just have any, you know, we always love to hear your input and to hear what you're enjoying and hear what you're hating and hear why what escrow is. Yeah, teach me about finance. <laughs> um, so love to hear from you on Twitter at Two Guys No Cup. Um, as Steve Dangle says, uh, like the video. If you if you enjoyed the video, hit the thumbs up. If you really liked it, subscribe and tell all your friends. I forgot I you. Yeah, <laughs> you know you know it better than I do. But uh, anyway, uh, we have one last thing. To mention, which is the tweet of the week. That's real good. Which comes from Pete Blackburn about yesterday's opening ceremonies, which, while we enjoyed them, this is wonderful. And he tweeted, Imagine dragging this ceremony on any longer. Imagine dragging this podcast on any longer. We won't. So that was Pete Blackburn's amazing tweet. And we will see you on another time. <laughs> Au revoir.